Hello, listener, and welcome to another episode of this currently untitled podcast. Um, I my name is Mark Jones, and I'm your host for today. And uh, I've not got to host it yet. I'm very excited, Ian. I'm having a lovely time. Thank you for having did, me. Did you like the intro? <laughs> that was a lovely was intro, good, wasn't it? You know, you should have your own late night television oh show. I got to imagine <laughs> <laughs> late night talk with Debbie. <laughs> You're gonna have an agony aunt. Oh my god, I would love it. I used to love an agony aunt column when I was uh, younger. Do you think a lot of them were written just by the editors themselves? The questions. No, were they? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I used to love dear Deirdre. (laughs) Who writes in? I guess you know. Dear Deirdre, I used to love ones who was like, "Oh, I've accidentally had sexual intercourse with my wife's sister." And now she's dead. <laughs> do I need to tell my wife? And dear dear, you'd be like, no, don't tell your wife. That's you just trying to alleviate your guilt. Your guilt is what you have to live with. That's your punishment for being such a naughty man. And I was always just like, go, Deirdre. Was she Scottish? Yeah. Yeah. And it, was, it was in the Daily Record. I loved it. <laughs> uh, my gran used to always buy a Daily Record and a What's On TV. Utter trash. Oh, I loved it. Did she get highlighters and like highlight what she wants to watch and stuff like that? No, she never did highlight. She just loved a crossword. My grandma's excellent at crossword. I'm terrible at crossword. Sudoku, really? obviously, well, that's just numbers. But uh, a crossword, not good. I don't know enough words. No, you just no. don't know enough words. <laughs> I, I love, I love um, watching the videos online of like people trying to explain what crossword clues mean. So they'll give you like, like these kind of, when it's like, um, I don't know, um, horseback sport in, I don't know, in miniature. And then they're like, well, the in miniature means like, wah, wah, wah. and they explain what all the different words and things the within the clues mean. are within the question. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. So uh, in the last episode, we're having a wee chat about my... About you, darling. About me. <laughs> about my kind of career path and all the little jobs that I did along the way and my experiences. I had so, no idea. Ian. Tell me all about barbering. How did you end up being Edinburgh's number one barber? <laughs> uh, uh, I am not Edinburgh's number one barber. I, but I'm Edinburgh's most modest barber. Most, <laughs> probably the probably uh, Edinburgh's most um, the barber that overthinks his haircuts, you know. But I. Was hairdressing first. So I, I started hairdressing in 1999 when you were eight. Eight. Um, yes. So I wanted to be uh, an actor, actually. And I said, Dad, you know, I'm, I'm going to go. I even auditioned for like NIDA, which is the National Institute of Dramatic Arts um, and VCA, Victoria, Victoria College of Arts. And there's one also in Perth, I think. And when I think back to those auditions, oh my God, I was so, like, I had no idea what an audition really was. I was so underprepared and it was, yeah, it's such, I was eight, just 18 at the time. And uh, auditions are stressful though. But I'm so happy I didn't get in because it would have been a waste. I think if I was to um, go back and do it. Uh, well, when I was like 24, I think that would have been... Because I, I matured later in life when it comes to... And still am, you know, when it comes to adulting. Um, and, you know, uh, I, I just matured later. So I think I think I would have... would If I somehow freakishly got into one of those schools, I think it would have just been such a waste of a couple of uh, years. But I would love to study um, acting well, as I'm old, as I, as I get older. 
I'd have to do like a two or three year course in acting. Was it Alan Rickman that didn't do his first part until he was like 40 odd? Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, yes. So, but but uh, that's that's a that's another. So, but I did say, Dad, yes, I want to get to acting. And he, and he said, well, not without a trade, which made sense. And so at first I was going to, well, I'll work in a kitchen. And he got me a job in a kitchen on Hamilton Island because someone's house he was renovating, she ran a a cafe up on Hamilton Island which is part of the Whit Sundays in Queensland so it's a long long way from home if you're a country boy uh, in New South Wales but that only lasted I think two and a half three months before I called mum and dad and said you need to you know get me back home because basically you know I mean I was either drunk or hungover that was the two states of being <laughs> and uh, it was very hot because obviously it was the summer season and um, I was terrible at my job I once was stressed, so stressed out because I was working in the cafe. I was so stressed out that the people I was serving had to come behind the counter and help me out. Anyway, so it was not good. Uh, I didn't. I had no idea what I was doing. And we lived in these things called dongers. So basically, they 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 are. I think they're more for temporary accommodation for site workers, you know. But obviously, they're more permanent at uh, at on Hamilton Island. But like, if there's a like a, a tornado or a, 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 a cyclone, we are the first to be evacuated because they're, they're pretty much just matchsticks. They look very similar to um, the cargo containers on the back of trains with uh, holes cut out for doors, basically, and a small window. Right. And a fan, an oscillating fan, to push the hot air around because it was so fucking hot. And like everyone, like when once I walked into my room and there was a wallaby on my bed. Um, a wallaby, a wallaby, which is like a, a small dumpy kangaroo. I know what thing. a wallaby yeah. is. <laughs> <laughs> and so this thing was very sweetly docile, you know. But I had to kind of like push it onto the floor and then like kind of usher it out, your room. Usher it out of the room. Um, oh, she just mentally. <laughs> but I had a, like I had a good time. I did meet some very like that was my first taste in meeting people from around the world, and and that really excited me. Um, uh, and just meeting people who just seemed at the time really um, with it and had a goal and, and were like, yeah, go to go, not to get there. They had all these phrases, you know, um, like, you know, go to go, not, not to get there. If, um, you know, if it's, if, if it's not your problem and you can't do anything about it, don't worry about it or, you know, things like, like little, like life. And I was like, and as an 18 year old who, you know, be stressed about everything. I was like, oh, these people are so amazing. Um, and, uh, but yeah, we, uh, yeah, so I, I got out of that situation. Um, but, but Hamilton Island is beautiful. So went back to Kutamundra and then went, moved to Canberra, which is the closest town. And I moved into this place, uh, which was basically like a gay Murrow's place. It had like 20 flats that all ranged between two bedroom flats to, I think, like eight bedroom flats. And the woman who ran the place, it was called Havelock House at the time. Um, uh, the woman who ran it was gay, which was really, really nice. And she always not insured, like, what I think it came across that she insured there was at least one gay person in every flat. So it went like a fair. It was hilarious fun. So um, and the gay, the only gay bar, the Meridian Club, was two streets away. So uh, I, I had a great time there. And they, the it was, it was for low income earners, 
Um, and so what they did is they charged you 27% of your pay every week. So, and at the time when I first got there, my parents were giving me a hundred dollars a week. And so I was only getting charged $27 a week rent, which is, which is nothing. And still I ended up in arrears, but anyway, but, uh, I had a great time there. And there was a guy I lived with called Stefano, uh, a fellow homosexual, with a name like Stefano, no. and he was a hairdresser, <laughs> and I remember being very attracted to him, very attracted. To him. Anyway, but uh, and he suggested I do hairdressing, and I put this to my mum over the phone, over the payphone. We had to use payphones back then. I didn't. Did I have a mobile? I didn't know if I had a mobile. Anyway, um, and mum's like, "Yeah, that's a great idea. You should do that because you know um, it's social." And you can travel with it, basically, you know, and you can do it at drama school. You know? So, yeah, sure. That sounds like a good idea. So, uh, Stefano got me an interview at Anton's. And Anton, obviously, with a name like Anton, is Italian. And his wife, Anita, is Italian as well. I love that. I literally thought you were going to go, and Anton, obviously, with a name like Anton, was a raging homosexual <laughs> no, as well. No, he was quite straight. <laughs> very proudly straight. And he used to get so offended if he thought someone... Someone thought it was gay. It was very funny. It was almost homophobic. Um, but uh, but but he his accent was so thick, and I think he was the first Italian I'd ever met with a very very thick Italian accent. So I didn't have a clue what he was saying through the interview. He kept showing me photos of like haircuts and stuff like that. I was like, okay, fine. Um, and so I had a trial morning. Which when you ever have a trial morning in a hairdresser's, all you really do is keep washing out the shampoo basin and sweeping because you can't do anything. You can't approach the client. You can't, you know, you can't shampoo anyone because you don't know how to do anything. And somehow I got the job. Um, and uh, I've met some crazy characters, you know, like Billy. She asked me on the first day while we're folding towels, so you're gay. Have you had up the bum? <laughs> <She's> like, <laughs> what? At that point in life, I hadn't, which was hilarious because... Um, I, it wasn't until I was like 23 before that happened. Um, but I still kept getting HIV te like tested like, because I was just so terrified of getting HIV um, that I was, I'd, I'd have like tests every couple of months. And I remember my doctor saying like, God, you must be very active. I'm like, well, no, I don't, I don't actually do the bomb sex. Anyway, I don't know how we got into that. Moving quietly <laughs> along. Me. No, Billy, it was Billy. It was her fault. But she was an amazing hairdresser. She was very funny because... She never actually, maybe she went back and finished it, but she never actually finished college because she, she, I kind of she didn't need to. We were like, you have to finish college. But she had such an eye for um, angles and textures of hair that she could, like, she had a full column by, by her second year. Like, uh, in Australia, an, an apprenticeship goes for four years. And then, well, the first two years are, like, the college years and then you spend one day at college and then the rest of the time and then the last two years like you're kind of like just making mistakes and building up your your, your column but she like she was doing that from year one year two you know um but she was good and uh but it was a long like in retrospect because you're 18 um i'm i i'll never um I'll always appreciate what Anson and Anita did for me and stuff. But when I think back, the hours was very long, you know, and, and you're, you're young. Like I was young and you don't think to think, hang on, this is wrong for the pay that we're getting. Because also we, we used to do a lot of hair competitions and which is something I'd like to get back into. Uh, 
And but the way we did it was the lead up to the hair comp. Like you do your date, your shift, you'd start at nine AM and then you'd, you'd finish at six or seven PM and then your models would come in and you'll start training till like one or two in the morning. And this would only this would happen for like two or three days just before and you know, it was fun and you know, but it was like most other shops will kind of do that within work hours, you know. But I think if you want to do different things in your industry, you have to do it outside of work hours. You can't, you know, because you need to earn the money. But anyway, so yeah, so I got I got a flavor of competitions and stuff like that. But I remember my brother always saying, like, you do realize, you know, they're, they're, they're taking advantage of you. But you don't know that when you're young. You're like, you have the energy to do it. Yeah, you just want like, to roll with the punches. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I was having a great time. They did treat me really, <laughs> really well. Um, and like, you know, sometimes we would go out like after work on a Friday because back then, I don't know if it's the same now, maybe it's changed, but the bars and clubs didn't get busy till like two or three in the morning. So, so you'd go on a Friday and like suddenly you're like, I'll, I'll go home now. It's one o'clock, but then it started getting busy and you're like, Oh God, this is cool. And then it started jumping at two. So next thing you know, it's like 7am. You have to be at work in two hours. You know what I mean? That didn't happen a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, uh, I'm not that crazy i'm not that i was never that wild but sometimes that did happen and that was quite funny because then you'd have to start your saturday and often often on saturdays was bridals bridal parties so you'd like we're all hanging we were probably all stank of like alcohol doing these wedding parties and then because we started at 8 a.m and then you would knock off at two or three in the afternoon by that stage you're deliriously tired and everything's funny so in a way it was kind of it's like a cycle of joy yeah but uh yeah you know the recovery was a lot quicker back then and then yes i did that for years and but i was very slow very very slow at cutting hair and this is what i think is interesting for um the new barbers that have come up now like some of them have only been cutting for like six months my god i really only understood angles and haircuts and you know shapes after about a good solid two years of cutting you know and i'll say ah i get it Uh uh-huh um, and then it's still, it still, it keeps changing, you know. So, uh, and it's also, it's not just the cutting. And I, I guess you might get this for teaching. Um, it's, there's, there's, there's a way to teach. There's a way to, I imagine, you know, communicate the, the thing you want them to kind of understand. But each student probably has a different way of understanding it. Yeah, 100%. And it's the same with haircuts, you know. Like, yes, there are only four haircuts. Right, every haircut has a combination of four. Haircuts. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Don't ask me which ones they are right now, but um, but uh, but yes. So, but it's also it's just trying to figure out each individual client uh, from each individual client what exactly they're asking for. You know what I mean? And so it's more that psychology, because there's nothing worse than a client like realizing they asked for the wrong thing, even though they did ask for it. Yep. It's our job to unpick that for them. To unpick that at the beginning to say, no, you don't actually mean that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I guess um, it, it must change depending on the client's head shape or depending on their hair texture, depending on, do you know what I mean? So much as, as well. Absolutely. And so like sometimes you'll get, which actually is a big help. You get people coming in with pictures from, of celebrities and saying, like, um, this is what I was thinking. And it's like, okay, we can do this. Your hair will do this. And they're like, yeah. okay. Because so, you're pointing at their hair. And, like, you're pointing at their their, their 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 growth pattern, their hairline, their hair texture. You're saying, like, if you want to achieve something like this, you have to do these three steps. Or, yes, 
it'll happen. Or sometimes they'll, sh- they'll bring in a photo of themselves, maybe 10 years before when their hairline was lower. Or, yeah. Or their hair. And that's awkward. The hair was like, thicker. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know how to say this to you, but... You can't do this you anymore. You can't do this anymore. It's this day passed. Yeah. <laughs> do you quite like a good celebrity photo? Do you like yeah. when someone brings in a photo of a celebrity and goes, you know, because I, I remember, especially when I was like, maybe like early early mid teens um it was around the time that david beckham was going through that thing of like he had like the faux hawk and then yeah i mean like, yeah, david yeah. beckham was like the hair icon the beckhams ha- like have a lot to answer totally for. and yeah. i remember my big brother telling me that he was going into the he was going into the hairdressers with a specific photo of david beckham with this with the faux hawk yeah and I cringed. I was just like, oh my God, you can't go with a photo and be like, I'd like to look like this. Because they'd be like, well, I'm not a plastic surgeon. But is that from a, yeah, from a you know, barber's it, point of view? It's, it's like, great. Good. Yeah, it's really good. It kind of gives you an idea and it gives you a, something to like... Also, how realistic are they? Um, like, for instance, I had a chap the other day come in and he seemed quite conservative, but the photo he showed me <clears throat> was... Chris Hemsworth as Thor in Ragnarok, very specifically. And it's, I don't know if you remember, they they cut his hair very short in that and it has all these deep scars through the side. Yeah. And he's like, I want this, but without the scars. And, but what they're actually saying is, because if you actually look at that haircut... It's a fade. <laughs> no, it's not even a fade. It's like a number four or five on the back and sides and a uniform, like, you know, same length on top and ruffled. And it's just obviously in that scene, it's all he, he, it's all sweaty, and it's they're not asking for the haircut; they're asking for the attitude. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's what I said to him. I said, "Okay, so he said, obviously I don't want the scars." I'm like, "Okay, well, this and you have to find ways of making it about them." Yeah. So I say, "Look, this if you if I did this on you, it'll grow out in two weeks because it's pretty much a five guard on the back and side, and uniform." So what? we can do for you and it will look cool is and i did say a fade down to a one and a half we'll still have an outline and then we'll just put loads of texture on top and then if you use some paste you can get this effect and yeah he he, he loved it in the end but you know and also tyler durton from fight club was a big thing but he's just got it's brad pitt with very short hair yeah you know but if you showed if i pointed at a guy on the street with very short hair it's like like that it's like no i want this <laughs> they're looking at tyler durton they're looking yeah, at the character. Like brad pitt exactly exactly um, so yeah, so as it's, it is our job to, to, um, like I had a chap in the other day, it's first time he's like, I'm looking for a new barber. Now he hadn't had his hair cut in like two years. He perhaps, I, I, reading between the lines, he was pretty wealthy. Like I think he was like, you know, in his late sixties, but it was, it was a mullet. It was a very long, like below his, like was on, he's touching his shoulders at the back and very sweetly, his wife loved the length of the back, but he had hardly any hair on top. He had a few wisps of hair on top, and he just felt it was too voluminous on the side. Now, if you visualize this, he had not much hair on the top, some lighter hair sweeping back at the side, and loads of hair at the back, you know, with length sitting on the... So he wanted me to flatten down the sides, and I was like, but if I take all that away, you will literally just have hair on... The, the back, back of, your, of head. your head, you know, it's like, oh, I see, I see, I see. So we we did compromise and stuff like that, and he seemed happy. And I'll, it'll be interesting to see how he comes back. But you know, that is that is a the, a very rare situation where you're 
I, I wanted to say to him, you would look so good if we just went short. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like, you'd look so good if we just went short. Because sometimes I, having, yeah, having gone to Barbara's for all my life, <laughs> having, having, you know. You've got a, thick hair. I've got super thick hair. Envy, envy. Super, I think, and a su- super difficult hair to cut because it's so thick. It takes a long time. Mm. Um, I also love a chat. So my barber, who's also your friend, um, tells me she has to block out an extra 15 minutes because I, I take extra As long as you don't long, move your head when you chat. I chat. No, I don't, but I do like whitter away. Um, and I notice I do the same thing with my personal trainer, but <laughs> I would sometimes, I've said to, to hairdressers and barbers in the past, I'd be like, what do you think would be really good for my hair? Um, and I would, because I'm very much of the opinion that it's like, you're the expert. Like yeah. if you can look at my head shape and my hair texture and go, you would boss this specific style. Yeah. Do it. Make me look my best. It might not be what I've got in my head, but maybe that's good. Yeah. But I think it must be quite difficult for you if it someone just because... comes to you with nothing, because then you're kind of, it's all on you. Do you yes. know what I mean? So I always start with, um, uh, well, I'll ask you, okay, so when was your last haircut? Ooh, three, four weeks ago. Before, okay, cool. Um, and, and then I ask, what would you like to see today? Oh. And if they say, well, you're the expert, okay, which is a fair enough point um the reason i ask what would you like to see today is because they might be like saying i want it all off or i want to grow it out yeah it's like well okay there are things we can do here um so if that if they say well you're the expert then i say okay cool how much time do you have to style your hair in the morning you know uh, they answer that um what annoys you about your hair they answer that what don't you want to see today they're like, well, like this happened the last time. They went really short at the back and sides and they left too long on top and I hate that. Okay, well, that's not, that's what I know not to do. Yeah. So you are, they, you, you know, you're just trying to... You're almost doing like out. a little diagnostic test. Yeah, exactly. Just like, check, exactly. check, check, let's like yeah, whittle it down. That's always a good one. If they're giving you nothing, it's like, well, what don't you want? Yeah. Um, And if sometimes like very rarely but sometimes they're like i don't know i really don't know maybe maybe sometimes it's not because they're being a dick or sometimes they genuinely are shy and they've never been asked before um that's when i I, i'll put to them okay well why don't we do this you know like why don't we and i'll say something for instance i might say okay why don't we do like um a fade but only down to a one and a half so it's not like scalp you know it's not like really you know so you see a little bit of the scalp coming through and then take it up to a three and then we'll you know take x amount off top and then we'll chip into it and then they can say that sounds good or um that's too scary yeah yeah, it's like oh no that sounds a bit short okay awesome well let's not let's just take it down to a a two and a half or you know and even if they say what does that mean then i can show them pictures but i like to kind of get it pretty much set in stone before I shampoo their hair or before I start cutting because if you get you know three quarters way through and they say well no this isn't what I want or asked for or I had something different in mind like then you have to start a haircut all over again yeah so there have been times when oh so the one thing that does annoy me is when they like they've got a 45 minute appointment which is a luxury in our world you know so um and they say um, well, why don't we start with that? And if we don't like it, we can just change it. And I have to then, like, you have to go almost like explain to them like they're a child to say, well, the thing is that um, I've got a client in, in well, ne- well now half an hour. Um, and so it's probably good if we 
decide on a look now and what we can do is um, then next time if you want to go shorter uh, we can go shorter or you know you know you so yeah. you're you're kind of letting them know what boundaries we have yeah and i think it's also managing people's expectations yeah. i think one of the major things in customer service it's because essentially it's like it's a customer service yeah know? it is do you it's mean all education 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 you know? customer service is all about managing people's expectations really of all my years working in shops and in the food industry and stuff when i was younger um people aren't inherently like you know angry and prone to rage yeah it only happens when they're disappointed because they've not had their expectations managed and yeah. i think as long as you're saying to someone well actually this is what's going to happen and this is the service that we can provide you in this time and you know if it doesn't work well then this is what happened i mean this is the kind of consequences of that then they can't come back to you be like i didn't know this was gonna happen no exactly <laughs> yeah yeah no and uh yeah so um but but, but generally generally it's fine and uh if if they are asking for a resale or if i feel like i've been cutting their hair if i've been cutting their hair for a while and they have this kind of feel like they give me the impression they want to have a change i'll push them for it you know yeah. so like but what i but i also make an event out of it in a way so i'll say before i start cutting i shampoo their hair i sit them down I say now, and I make it. I make it loud enough for other people to hear as well. I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? Because I can't, I can't, you know, psychoanalyze you halfway through this. I can't give uh -huh. you therapy halfway through this haircut. And then they're like, oh no, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And there have been times where I've had to turn people away from the mirror and do the whole haircut because they were so anxious yep. about going short. But then once you turn it around, because I in my head I can say, well, you would look amazing short, you know. And it's easy for me to do. I turn them around like, see? Because actually, if they, there's nothing worse than when you're cutting someone's hair and it's a restyle. And every snip you take, they, they look, they turn their head to look how much came off. Yeah. Um, and actually, actually, a line happened recently that I thought was interesting. So a guy wanted a restyle. And, uh, and it was long. And uh, he's like, wait, can you show me how much you're taking off? And I said, it's not how much I'm taking off. It's what I'm leaving behind. I need you to focus. I, I, I said, I need you to look at what will be left, not how much is going to be falling on the floor. Because I can tell you now, a lot of hair is going to fall on the floor through this. Oh, I'm like, but if you look at the hair, like, and I'm showing him from the scalp to where my fingers are, um, you know, and that's going to sweep back to give that graduated look, which is what he wanted. And he loved it in the end. But, but I just loved the way he asked me, can you show me how much you're taking off? Yeah. As if, I understand that if it's, say, it's long hair, like a lady has long hair and she loves her long hair and she loves it, and you say, I'm going to take half an inch off, and they say, can you show me exactly what that is? Yeah. You know, I, that kind of makes more sense. But for, for, for medium to short hair, it's obviously, it's, all about, it's about the shape you've left behind. Yeah, you know 100%. I mean? So, but yeah, so I... So that, but I, I was here. So going back to Anton, and then in two thousand and five, I moved to Dublin just to see because I wanted to move overseas, because uh, I had a friend uh, Cheryl who, and her her husband Michael was Irish, and they they very very generously bought me a plane ticket to Ireland, return to visit them, and uh, I don't know why they did that, but. Uh, 
I was so obsessed with Cheryl, you know, anyway, and uh, she's, she still is great. And uh, so, yeah, so that gave me the idea to move there. So in 2005, I moved there for a year and I worked in a little salon called Changes and they were really nice to me. It was a shame. I, I, I didn't know enough, I think, to, to create an impact there or, or, or learn much, but, um, or, 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 you know, have a clientele there. But I did make some really good friends. Some, you know, it's the first time I moved somewhere that had more than one gay bar and stuff. So that was really fun. Moved back to Australia for a year, back to Anton's. And they had me back, which is very nice. Then I moved to London in, I think, 2007. And I was only there for nine months before I pretty much burnt out. You know, I remember having a kind of a fed up moment. I had to say to my my flatmate who was the landlord, so I need to go back to Australia. And I, I think he could see, because obviously he was he had every right to say, well, actually, I need X amount of weeks notice and I need this pay. But he could tell I was like broken, like I was so exhausted by London. And it wasn't it wasn't like I was going out and being hedonistic or anything like that. It was the hours were very long. And, you know, and uh, but the salon was amazing that I worked at in London uh, when it comes to the education. But it was just it was a chain salon and it was bums on seats, bums on seats. Bums Did you feel you learned quite a lot? though? I... Or was it just actual um, practice? Yes. When it comes to colour work, yes, absolutely. Actually, it's interesting. Because I fucked up so much colour in that <laughs> shop. I did so many colour fuck-ups. And it's interesting. Normally, they happened on like a Friday and Sunday when I was tired. So my manager, Amanda, another woman who I was obsessed with. <coughs> Bless you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Amanda's another woman I was obsessed with. Um, she, she would, she was our manager and she, her job pretty much on Monday was to basically redo the colors I, I fucked up on Monday, uh, on Friday and Saturdays. And so, um, we had a, every year they have this yearly party because I was at the time there was like 32 salons as part of the group. They would have this big yearly party and I had a sash made up that said Miss Redo. <laughs> <laughs> and the other managers came up and they're like, you know, that's not funny. I'm like, well... We have to laugh because, but as a result of me fucking up so much color, when I went back to Australia and then when I moved over here, I was quite good at color work because I knew what to avoid. I knew L'Oreal inside and out. I knew like um, what, what colors did what and what, you know, what, what results they would have. Because there was a few colors that you'd think they they had something shown on a color chart, but I knew on hair it actually did something different because I had done all that. Yeah, I messed up so much. Well, that's what they say. They say making mistakes is the best way to learn. So you've obviously so you've good. just given yourself a crash course. <laughs> oh, absolutely, and it was quite intimidating as well because we were next to Vogue House, um, you know, um, where Condé Nast. So you'd get these ladies coming in from Vogue, um, and like wanting blow dries in like half an hour and stuff like that. But so that was that was a crash course. And then I moved over here and to Edinburgh in 2008, I think it was. And uh, I was working in a hair salon, L'Oreal hair salon, but I, I, I had to leave because they changed locations and it was, so I, I didn't have any like clientele and they didn't have any new clients walking in. So I had nothing to do. So I then went, I went self-employed and then I worked at the Players Lounge on Rose Street, which is still there, and they were very, very good. And and actually, they do. We did more competition work there as well, and they were in education. And I was still doing ladies on the side, you know. Um, 
Well, I had Ian Fallon hairstyling as a kind of my own uh, limited company. Your little umbrella. Little umbrella. And yeah. actually, I invoiced Players Lounge, actually. So, um, so it was all part of it, just to make a paperwork easier. But, uh, yeah, and then after a few years, I was then headhunted uh, for Ruffians because it was just opened and they didn't have any barbers. And, in fact, it wasn't even built at that point. I said no at first because when I got, I got an email from Andrew and he... Um, he, he is, you know, very, very clever, very well educated and from a di different world. So his email just sounded like spam. Um, so <laughs> I ignored too it. Well it was too, too well worded, but he came in for a shave at Players Lounge and said, my name is Andrew. I'm the one who sent you an email. I said, oh, so. anyway, so long story short, I said no at first. And then he showed me the plans of ruffians and I was like, ah, oh, yes, I want to be part of this world. Um, so, but then for the first few weeks, I think it was, it, there was a delay in the fit out, shop fit out, obviously. So I was just chilling out in his flat, which in retrospect, I don't know why he didn't just let me chill out at home. Like, I don't know what, I think at one stage I was going through all the ingredients in the ruffians products and like finding out their origins just to entertain myself. It was just such So a you were just going to his flat during the day? Yeah. Or when the desk was put in at ruffians. The cutting desk, which is still there today, um, I would just sit at that and pretend to work. It was just very odd. It was very odd. The whole thing was exhausting. Though to start a new shop like that, it was su there was such a lot of money put behind it and stuff like that. I remember at one point I was sitting there, standing there, I'm like my eye keeps quivering, and it was someone else that said, "Yes, yeah, because you're exhausted." And Andrew was just like, mm -hmm. "But anyway, but uh, but yeah, we've still got clients that have been with us. I mean, to next year will be ten years." Years. That's amazing. Yeah, the, the, but uh, I haven't had too many fuck ups there. I don't shave anymore, though. I don't do full shaves. No, I've just cut too many men. Um, I do a lot of razor beard lines. I love. I've doing cut beards. too many men as well. I'll uh, cut a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, when it comes to using the razor blade on the moustache area and the chin, oh my god, I don't know why. Like, if you shaved my face, it's fine, because I'm not that dense. Your face would be, I could shave that. But sometimes these guys come in that look like they need to shave twice a day, and you're expected to do this, like, closer than a Mac 3 shave. Oh. And just the blood. Oh, so much blood. Anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> and I'm not good with blood. I'm so bad with life. Oh, no, that sounds blood. horrific. Yeah. And I think the whole Sonny Bean-style shave thing stresses me to yeah. no end. Yeah. Um, I like the so I've only ever I've had it done once, and I like the whole ceremony of it. I like the yes. towel, I like the hot towel, then like the cold towel. I yeah. love all that kind of towelliness of the whole thing. Yeah. But the actual having like a cutthroat razor at my like, whoa, it's just <laughs> but a yeah, lot. But you're, for your, yeah, your growth's I'm, not too bad. No, I've not got a very so. thick beard. Yeah, yeah. I keep a little bit of stubble because if I shave my beard, then I lose my jawline, and then I just go about looking like a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> There's a very large thumb over there just wandering about. Um, so I keep a little bit of stubble just to keep a jawline, but that's about it. That's great. Yeah, no, yes, yeah, so I don't shave anymore. But I, um, so yeah, I was into scissor work, like that's when I started, it was all scissors. And obviously the whole fade thing has come in in the last seven years and stuff. And it took me ages to kind of click to it because all the kids would come in um, and, and, and know how to fade because that's what they were taught from day one at Barber College. And uh, yeah, it's only in between the two lockdowns, actually, I went and did a two-day course with 
the great British Barber Bash. And it was headed by um, Ollie Foster and a guy named Tony from Tony's Barbershop. And they taught me a way of fading that I still do now. That's kind of like, I just made more sense. Because there's another girl, um, uh, Hayden, Hayden Cassidy, who's, who's brilliant. And she, she's very technical as well. So yeah, these people, I've, you know, I went to their courses and stuff and like it. And yeah, and it, it, it did work. I slowed right down at first because obviously I was trying to figure it, it out. And then I was like, oh, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. There's, always, there's always like a click moment. Yeah. You're like, oh, that makes sense. All yeah. right, okay, cool. I'm very much like that with anything new. I need to do it. Yeah. People can tell me about it. They can tell me the logic behind it. They can tell me the reasoning. They can tell me origins of the idea. Yeah. And I'm like, Mer? Yeah. And then I do it and I'm like, oh, yeah, I can do this. One thing that, that no one ever told me with fading is the tilt of the the clipper head when you're when you're trying to get into the grooves of of, of the muscles on the scalp and and to create that 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 beautiful uh, graduation from from scalp to, to hair like because when you're watching people on like YouTube or whatever it just looks like they're they're, f they're putting the, the, the clipper flat against the head and moving up and down and just beautifully fading. What you're not seeing is that they're slightly tilting it, so they're using the edge, and that's why it's good to go to a workshop to have someone, like, right in front of you, like, and you have the clipper in your hand, and they're like, no, you need to tilt it. And it's like, oh, it's like, this was not explained to me seven years ago. Yeah. You know, so, but anyway, so. But yes, that's my story. And we're, we're, I've been talking for... 37 minutes now so I love that <laughs> I've been thoroughly engaged I've had a lovely time well um, Ian I'd like to thank you so much for joining me thank today. you for having me you're very welcome thanks for having you to your kitchen <laughs> please join us next time <laughs>